0: Apparently, Jonathan Taylor was uh, well. The Packers, I should say, was the mystery team for the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes. Apparently, no, I mean, no one won the sweepstakes, as he's remaining a Colt, and now he's on the pup list. Be pretty badass to have JT. Well, and the uh, the details didn't come out, but it was people were speculating. Uh, what was it? AJ Dillon in a first round pick to get JT? No, uh, Packers, was that what it was? The
1: Packers offered. Apparently, AJ Dillon and a third round, pick. a third
0: round, and the Dolphins. In return, zone.
1: the Colts asked for AJ Dillon, Christian Watson, and a first round pick. Okay,
0: <laughs> if that's even true or not,
1: that sounds
2: know. like that sounds like a um, fantasy football type offer where one guy throws out an offer that they think would maybe be somewhat interesting for both parties. And yeah. then the next guy that got the offer recounters with something that's so out there that it's like, really okay. Well, there's this deal's over. It's it's like, up. all right, dude, and I'm then done I with love this. Because that guy
1: then asks, "Well, why didn't you counter offer?" I'm like, "You already did, and you showed me you <laughs> yeah. aren't serious. Like, you're not about serious
3: this.
0: about this." Um, also, no. the Dolphins. The Dolphins uh, apparently the Colts asked the Dolphins for Jalen Waddle in a trade for Jonathan Taylor, and that was never going to happen. yet. And, and a first round pick. Uh, this just says from some NFL reporters. Well,
1: I think we all Jalen Waddle. I think we all know the Colts were never going to trade him. And I love the people who th- they're now coming out and being like, "Well, JT is being a big baby." And I'm like, all he did was ask for an extension. He
0: never said I'm going to hold out. He never said anything. He's like, you're you're going to spend twenty million dollars to free this fifty year old orca whale from captivity, but I can't get paid.
1: Right, and well, it, it, it and. The, the whole thing there is then he, he never said, I'm sitting out. I'm never. Then all of a sudden he's like, oh, we're putting you on the pup list because you're hurt. But they were going to trade him. But we also never heard anything about it before that.
0: Yeah. And well, I remember well he JT out, on Twitter was like, their sources are wrong. And
1: he's like, never hurt my back. Yeah. I did have some offseason uh, ankle surgery, but that's not going to stop me from going to camp. He reported to camp. He did. Uh, same day that he actually requested a trade and it was, hey, go explore it. Yep. Um. so I don't think Jonathan Taylor's in the wrong here all he did was ask for an extension never then said well I'm going to hold out then
2: I don't think anyone's in the wrong I think where things got messed up was like Jonathan Jonathan Taylor might have had a bad ankle Uh, Jonathan Taylor might have wanted to be traded because clearly the Colts didn't want to extend him the thing of where they messed up was Jim Irsay coming out and saying we don't think he's worth an extension we don't think he's worth this and then trying to turn around and trade him like if they would have just kept their mouths shut and then said hey Jonathan Taylor is now on the trading block to other teams and just saw what offers came in one the ankle stuff never would have came up and two, the fact that you are trying to get rid of so someone that you think is an asset or at least you perceive as an asset in the fact that you're trying to get something really good back for him you can't come out and crap on him and say we're not going to pay him this and we don't think he's worth this and then think that you're going to be able to trade him for something that's somewhat valuable like
0: i really want a first round pick if not better
2: okay all right, okay, well, how about this on the on the podium yesterday, Brian Gudakunst was asked. well, oh, imagine imagine huh, huh. having like a a vehicle. you're trying to sell your car, and you're like, well, you know, for the most part we we kind of like it, but we don't think it's actually worth that much. It might have a bad wheel but we still are going to want a decent amount for it and then they counter offer with like this lowballing thing like yep nope, nope, yeah we're good it's used <laughs> car <laughs> this yeah. it's, it's
0: like this car was in a couple floods uh, it's got a faulty you know rotary girder i looked at my carfax the blinker fluid drains fast you know <laughs> no we, we we don't think it's worth that much but we think it's
2: worth more but it's we, what, what if if you want to tra- you got to trade a lamborghini in to get this if you want it all right like your everything you just said is is going against what you're... Uh,
1: no, it's I know just this like, car's a lemon. should have done that. But it's, we
2: want a McLaren, all right? You're being a dumb-dumb.
0: <laughs> Brian Gutekutz on the podium yesterday asked, were the Packers interested in training for Jonathan Taylor? Here's the GM.
3: Well, let's get the checklist out. First of all, I can't talk about players on other teams. Um, we try to be in every conversation. Um, so, um, you know, um, anytime we have good players available to us, we'd like to make the Green Bay Packers better. And uh, we'll look at those opportunities. Um, so that's a good. Uh, what I got to say about that?
1: The laughs came from the reporters who then came out of there would be like, "The
3: Packers
0: were in on him again." Well, when uh, when Brian Gutekunst his introductory press conference when he was first hired after taking over for Ted Thompson, he said, "We are going to be in the conversation for every player out there to make the Packers better." Because you know what did Ted Thompson not do? Free agency, really. Like he never yeah. he never picked up the phone. Brian Gutekunst's like, "All right, Packer fans are peeved that Ted really never." You know, dipped in the free agency market, and we didn't. It It wasn't that good. But never really did. So I'm going to be in the conversation for everything. So that's Brian Gutekunst. Just, and you know how cell phones are these days, or people with cell phones, they don't want a phone call. They let it go to voicemail. Yep. Gutekunst like, I'm going to. I'm gonna tell the fans that I want every conversation. But I know. But he's brought people in. People, yeah, better than Ted. Yeah, people on the other side aren't gonna pick up their phone. I'll leave a voicemail, be like, "Hey, it's Brian, just checking in on Jonathan Taylor. Don't worry about calling back. I just want to be in the conversation." (laughs) But then he was asked, "If
1: if they don't call back, are you really in the conversation?" Yeah,
0: he conversed. It could have been a one-way conversation. (laughs) He was also asked, "Were the Packers willing to give up AJ Dillon in a trade?"
3: AJ is part of this team, and he was going to be regardless, so I don't, I don't, you know, so I don't, yeah, I mean, that's, um, again, like, there's there's a lot of conversations. We are used at times for very leverage situations at times as well, um, but, you know, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing if we're not investigating these things, at least listening to things, um, but, yeah, it's... Um, it's kind of one of the, I think it's the nature of the world now. It's just, um, there's all kinds of things out there, but some are true, some aren't.
1: So he he basically admitted right there, yeah, we were trying to drive up his price, so somebody got
0: yeah. effed. And A.J. Dillon, <laughs> well, first he's like, well, A.J. Dillon's part of this team. It's like John Lynch coming up saying, Trey Lance is our guy. We want him to uh, f- flourish with the Niners. And then 12 hours, 18 hours later, he's traded to the Cowboys. Well,
1: I, I don't think that's happening with A.J. Dillon
0: here. With A.J. Dillon, him and Aaron Jones did not show up at the 45 minute session after practice uh, for the media yesterday. They did not make themselves available.
1: Well, I mean what are the questions going to be?
0: Hey, you, you almost got traded. What do you think AJ Dillon? And, and then you then want to be Aaron, the mayor of Indianapolis? Aaron Jones would
1: be like, "What'd you feel
2: about having to split time with Jonathan Taylor had this trade go through?" It
0: didn't happen. Yeah, it's a no-win situation for those
2: guys. Would you have made so so yes. the offer that Green Bay threw out there was AJ Dillon and a third round pick, supposedly. Yeah, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And clearly the Colts wanted something closer to, let's be honest, like AJ Dillon, Christian Watson, and a first round pick is just absolutely garbage. Absurd. But if they came back with something like AJ Dillon and a first round pick, and I'm the Packers and I come back with a counter offer of. A.J. Dillon in a second-round pick, I think I'd be okay with that. I would love to have Jonathan Taylor as a Packer. First-rounder, no. Second-rounder? Second-rounder, I think I would be willing to give up. Because you think about this roster, Aaron Jones is going into – he's got one more year left after this year, and it's for a lot of money. You have a ton of, for the most part, for the general public and general NFL fans, a bunch of no-namers that are not – AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones on your roster and AJ Dillon's probably going to be too expensive or more than what you'd want to pay with your current salary cap. And for being more of a second running back, you're going to let him walk. It's the last year of his deal. I feel like if you're bringing in Taylor, you know you're signing him to an extension.
0: Totally. Yeah.
2: And, and I would be willing to give up a second-round pick because think about it. He's a monster. You're going to need a running back anyways, and you're going to need a somewhat decent one. You're probably going to use a top 100 pick anyways to select a good enough running back to come in because you're going to need him to play right away. Yeah.
1: I think, I think I'd be willing to do. Yeah, that. I would be willing. Yeah. The and Colts, Jonathan Taylor's
2: a b- baller.
1: The Colts were probably more looking for a package like Ricky Williams got <laughs> when he got traded Ricky. to New Orleans.
2: I feel like ever since like those type of trades, like you can look at uh, Herschel Walker, you can look yeah. at uh, Ricky Williams. People have smartened up. Yeah. where it's like you can't do that.
1: No, you just can't.
0: A uh, question before we go to break here. Remember when Mark and said money was no object, and they were in on Juan Soto? Kinger asked, "More likely, what well, would have been more likely to happen that the Packers get Jonathan Taylor, or the Brewers got Juan
2: Soto?" More likely, to... <laughs> Brewers been, acquiring Jonathan Taylor? The or, oh, so, Packers, the Packers acquiring that'd Jonathan be, Taylor. That'd be oh, uh, no, I agree with Rowdy though. The Brewers acquiring
0: Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor would happen before. Would they happen before the Brewers Soto. got Juan Soto. <laughs> I agree,
2: Rowdy. Yes, like. The Juan Soto it makes rumor, sense if you don't think of it. Or works. I know that there was the other rumor about they were also in talks with Shohei Otani trying to trade. Like that is I will never believe that. Do you believe that
0: the Packers were in on JT? I mean if you aren't if you're a GM and you're not trying to better your team, then I have a question of why you're a GM. Like would you have been fine with shipping out AJ Dillon if that's the case? is AJ Dillon in a third round pick? Let's say that the uh the Colts said, Yeah, we'll take that. Would you would you like
2: that? I I know we talked about it earlier. I would have been willing to go up as high as AJ Dillon in a second round pick to get Jonathan Taylor. But if I was Brian Gutekunst, the only way I'm pulling the trigger of that trade is if I know I want to sign him long-term because why would I give away a second round pick in AJ Dillon, a guy in AJ Dillon whose contract is expiring after the season, just for a Jonathan Taylor whose contract is, also expiring after the season, unless you want to play the fifth year, you know, pick up the contract type game, but then, you know, feelings get hurt and, you you know, blah, blah, blah. There's bad blood between front office and player. But basically I would pull that trigger if he wanted an extension the team was looking for him to have an extension. It was like a you know a good relationship moving forward, and
0: we're looking for a bounce back here from AJ Dillon this year, anyways. Because last year was a little less to be desired, right? Like like we we want we a little more from AJ Dillon.
2: Well, but could you imagine for one season? A Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, one-two punch. That would be amazing. And then obviously it would be most likely Jonathan Taylor moving forward.
0: Yeah. J- JT is a hell of a running back, dude. He is really good. Help. Most Wisconsin fans know. A little injured last year, but my God, the guy's good. But with this Packers team, the average roster age is 24.9 years old. They are the youngest team Oof. in the NFL.
2: Yeah. I don't know how how well that would work. What? Jonathan Taylor would be getting on the older side.
0: <laughs>
2: what is I JT think he's got to
0: be around 24. JT is 24 years young. Yes, indeed, Rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> he's starting to get old.
2: He's, you're starting to age out of that running back position. No, but he's starting to get old. No, he's still got six years for the running back age of 30, but he's getting old for this Packers team.
0: Yeah, sorry. We're going to have to – one more year. It's like the the Green Bay Packers are to – the roster age as Leonardo DiCaprio is to dating anyone after the age of twenty five. It's twenty five, right? Then he kicks him to the curb.
2: I think so. I think
0: that's all right. Hey, Brian Gudekunst, giant Leonardo DiCaprio fan. If you're older, over the age of twenty five, you get kicked to the curb. David Bakhtiari, we're looking at you, bro. You're not. more evidence. Bakhtiari is probably going to be traded to the New York Jets, like Leonardo DiCaprio kicking his girlfriends to the curb when they turn twenty five. David Bakhtiari is what is he thirty?
2: Yeah, and... Uh, 33? Of, How old is he? Ever since, uh, well, I guess you would say, what, 2019? What, Brian Gutekunst took over in 2018?
0: 31. Who? sorry, David.
2: A lot of his uh, teams kind of also ended like a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. In the frozen tundra, they hit an iceberg and then <laughs> disaster. <laughs> yeah, but Rose could have pulled Leo up on that door. Instead, uh, I'm trying to look at the analogy here. I don't have it. I don't have it. All right, Rowdy, 24.9 years old. Packers almost make it, and then they collapse. <laughs> 2019, 2020. We're Jack.
0: We're Leo. 2021. Rose, you just got to let us go. And the fandom that we are, come to the NFC Championship game, we could just drop to the bottom of the ocean.
2: Well, if anything, Jack would have been Aaron Rodgers. They finally got rid of him. <laughs> okay, get out of here, dude. All right. With the youth movement, though, Brian Gutekunst was asked you know,
0: you kept a lot of young players, uh, some undrafted free agents. Are, are they trying? To make the team younger for Jordan Love—is that what you're trying to do?
3: Yeah, I don't think it was intentional to be young. I think our intention was to be, you know, athletic, fast, and have a really competitive camp so that the, you know, the best guys rose to the top. And I think that's what we accomplished. But it wasn't just to be young.
0: I don't know. This is a big youth move. This is the youngest team. Now the Packers, obviously when Aaron Rodgers was around rowdy, he wanted his guys around and his guys obviously were a little older because he, you know, that's why the Rodgers guys, they've been doing it for a long time together. So once you, you jettison, you know, who was the one bringing it up the most besides Rodgers? Mercedes Lewis what was he 38 years old to so get Mercedes
2: Lewis off the team. It's going to dip big, big, big time. Uh, There was actually a a tweet I saw, and it was some of the stats on the the Green Bay Packers and, you know, more specifically Brian Gutekunst and some of his draft picks. So, you know how we talked about when Brian Gutekunst took over? I I think it was actually with Rob Reichel who's coming up here in about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, How Brian Gutekunst had a lot of roster turnover ahead of him when he took the job because Ted Thompson had left the cupboard so bare Mm -hmm. with aging players or guys that really weren't NFL level. And we saw that because we saw a lot of them migrate to the AAF at the time or the, (laughs) the the second go around of XFL. Like that's where a lot of those draft picks and guys that they had on the end of their roster were playing. And then the other half were like these old aging guys, not named Aaron Rodgers. And I remember Robbie coming in and said, Hey, Brian Brian LaFleur. Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur have a ton to come in here and revamp. Like, these rosters are going to turn over like crazy. Well, if you look at the Packers drafts and their 53-man roster here starting the 2023 season, they have one guy from Brian Gutekunst's first draft, three from 2019 his second draft, and then it goes four, five, 11, 11. So it basically, we have gotten through pretty much the first almost, you know, like if this was college football, you would say, like, oh, so and so won, but he won with the coach that was just theirs players. Yeah. It takes four years to get all their players his in. Recruiting class. Yeah, to go through a system. We're sitting here, it's 2018. We've, this is now year five. Like, these are Brian Gutekunst's players and his rosters. Like you there's not a ton of guys here, especially with moving off of Mason Crosby and Aaron Rodgers. There's not a ton of Ted Thompson guys anymore. New this group. is Brian Gutekunst. I have uh the Packers remaining roster uh, players by uh draft class. One from 2013, one from 2016, one from 2017, 2018, and then you get into the 19 through 23. So it, it this is Brian Grudekunst's rosters. This is his team. Yeah. So... Is, I, I To your point about the youth movement, I don't really... I, I agree with Brian Gutekunst. I don't necessarily think that it was like their goal was to go super young. And just how it,
0: the wave happened. That's
2: just kind of yeah. how it worked out. It was like we had to overturn a lot of roster here the last five years, and we got to the point God. where we got rid of a lot of the older cats, and it just so happens we're really you young. We're strapped for cash. and You know what's weird to say? David Bakhtiari was drafted
0: in 2013. That's that's just crazy what, what happened to time rowdy that's 10 years ago that's wild david bakhtiari drafted in 2013 that's crazy to, that's just the same 2013 is crazy now um for the youth movement rowdy And speaking of get a running back so we talk about jt right brian gurukas was asked about the undrafted free agent that was running back emmanuel wilson over what a patrick taylor who just got on the practice squad yesterday but emmanuel wilson is this a running back then for the future depending on how he does i guess this year I don't think so. He's younger,
2: obviously. Yeah, but... Or just a body that they needed He's an undrafted free agent. It's... So why keep him over Taylor, who's on the practice squad? Younger. Showed that he had more burst than Patrick Taylor did in preseason. Patrick Taylor was a guy that he was a nice third-string, fourth-string running back for the Green Bay Packers the last three, four-ish years, it feels like. But at the same time... He's not getting any younger. He, clearly, out of football is a young man's game. We were just talking about how young the Packers yeah. are. The running back position is an even younger man's well, game.
0: Goody just said it in his little clip right there. Well, here's like,
2: Goody, here's
0: Goody on you know the running back that Emmanuel Wilson keeping in his RB3.
3: Yeah, certainly. I think he, he did some things as a runner that we kind of saw in college, but uh, you never know how quickly those guys are going to show that in the National Football League. But uh, I think he took advantage of his opportunities. Uh, he was significantly probably early on, you know, far away from the special teams and some of the other you know, nuances of playing running back. But he really progressed through the last few weeks. And um, he, he showed some special things in, in his opportunities. And, uh, again, he's a 225-pound back. Um, I really like that room. So, um, But um, he, uh, he certainly earned it.
2: I don't think he's the future. I think you're going to see them try to figure out how they can keep Aaron Jones for one more year probably see A.J. Uh, Dillon walk, and then I wouldn't be surprised that in the upcoming draft if they used a top 100 pick to go out and draft a running back. That's what it feels like to me.
0: Um, and then also speaking of undrafted free agents, wide receiver Malik Heath made the 53-man roster. Here's uh, Goody.
3: Yeah, another example of a guy who you know just took advantage of every op- opportunity he had. You know, We've talked about this before in this room, and we certainly talk about it um, all the time, about you can't control the opportunities you're going to get, but you can control what you do with them, and that usually leads to more opportunities. And I think as Malik, you know, just you know, practice after practice, preseason game, just every step of the way, he was he was making the most of his opportunities.
0: All right, we got Rob Reichel coming up. We'll talk more about this roster. Robbie wants to do two segments. So strap in. Tonight we have Graham Mertz and uh, the Florida Gators. No Cam Rising as uh, the Utah Utes going against uh, Florida. And it was, what, four and a half going, I think last time I looked, four and a half yeah. going to uh, Utah. And that, that number opened, what was it, seven? Nine. Nine. Hoofta, nine. And that was with, you know, with before the news of Cam Assuming Ryzen. Cam
1: Ryzen was playing.
0: All right, so Graham Mertz, boys. Uh, Kinger was talking about it earlier today. So uh, Rowdy and I at the start of the show. Was it 179 and a half over, under passing yards for Graham Mertz? Now, there's a story floating around that Paul Chris told uh, some people close to him uh in his new stop that he is that he and I quote well, no. misused yeah, Graham well, He told uh
1: Napier yeah, that's what it that was. he misused him. But, he misused Graham He misused I mean, him for three years? Yeah. And and that's one thing <laughs> too. So look at all the players who got physically and visibly upset when Paul Christ was fired and to a T every person on that team said they loved him. Yeah. He is a players coach. He's not going to go out there and tell anybody who asks him.
0: Why is Paul Chris going to go fall on the sword for Graham Mertz out of nowhere?
1: He, he's a players coach. He's not going to disrupt a kid's opportunity to go play somewhere else. Otherwise, he probably would have told Florida State, oh, yeah, Brook is horrible. But no, he went and played at Florida State, and then Florida State found out. He was horrible. Remember Horney Brooks' pro video
2: that he recorded? He'd spike balls <laughs> into the ground. Paul Christ, Paul Christ only had something to lose. Yes, and the only way yes. Paul Christ had something to lose is if he came out and absolutely crapped on one of his players that he coached for three years. Because yeah. that would make him look like, like a bad guy, like – He's blaming the quarterback for the reason why he lost his job. Now, RJ kind of said it. Paul Christ has always been a guy that he's not going to give you much, but when he gives you something about his players, it's always going to be positive because they're his guys. This was a Paul Christ that most likely will never be a head coach at a Power 5, Division 1, yeah. NFL football. Like, In this it's, day and age, it's his done. style
1: just doesn't Yeah, he will never.
2: he will never have that type of a job in my opinion again now could he be a great offensive coordinator could he be a great analyst or you know uh, the role that he's playing now with texas could he be awesome at that 100 percent it's just he doesn't feel like he'll ever be a big 10 he has nothing to gain by saying this no. it was just doing one of the guys because by all accounts a lot of people liked Graham Mertz a lot of his teammates liked Graham yeah. Mertz a lot of the it's uh, good reporters sleep
1: with their girlfriends
2: uh, a yeah. lot of their reporters the even eye. said you know they they the liked because he yeah. would always say the right thing on the podium and blah 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 so no one actually hated Graham Mertz they all liked him it was just the performance was not quite to the level of what I miscues. think a lot of Badger fans were hoping <laughs> But there was absolutely no reason for Paul Chris to ever just throw shade at him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the video is surfacing. Um, the hell's the guy's name? It's uh, Josh Latekick. Um, is his Twitter handle? And he was talking about you know the SEC. And I don't know
1: if his show's anywhere else, but he's got a YouTube channel.
0: Yeah.
1: And I mean, it's, it's a big following. It's it's yeah. Um, it's basically like he does college football, kind of like. uh
0: it's basically like Joe Clatt. He's yeah. just not Joe Clatt. So, this was making his rounds around Wisconsin football Twitter. I'm going to play it. Um, I know Rowdy'd watch it. I've watched it. RJ's watched it. The takeaway from what he said is I evaluated the
4: quarterbacks all the same. Merch was my guy. But Paul Christ giving us, as a staff, the feedback that he gave us about how they misused that kid at, at uh, Wisconsin, that was valuable for us. That told us maybe there's more there.
3: And if you think about it, you think about Penix and Nix just on the West Coast. Producer Jesse made a good point today. He said, imagine two years ago telling people that
4: Bo Nix and Michael Penix are going to be right there in the thick of the Heisman Trophy race two years later. Well, they are. They just had to go to other programs to realize their potential.
1: On that note, I will say people, if you go back and look at some of the comments on here. Bo Nix had to transfer out of the SEC to start being good to a, a conference that they don't play defense in. Michael Penix Jr. had a decent year in 2020, yeah. then was getting injured and got passed up by uh, whoever transferred into Indiana, but also then left for the same conference that has no defense in it. Well,
2: <laughs> this is what I also thought of, and it's it's close to what you're saying there, RJ, but it's like Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. also had – big seasons before they transfer. Like, you saw yeah. the talent. You mentioned the 2020 season for Michael Penix where it's like, okay, well, I believe there was like on that Indiana team, there was like a couple of wide receivers that were decent, yeah. but we're talking he like never played a full season. They were like Indiana. preferred. They were like preferred like street free agents in the NFL. Yeah. Like they, they weren't like second, third, fourth, fifth round yeah, picks. No, they,
1: they had a couple of guys who you'd watch and be like, Okay, Indiana has some talent for the next level here, but at, at, oh, I'm trying to remember the, Fry, the, Fry, Fry, uh, Fogel. Fry Fogle. But that's the thing. Um, if you want a if, others. for
2: a Badger fan, if you want to know what we're kind of talking about with the level of wide receiver, I would say it was like his level of wide receivers play at the next level was like Jack Cohn. It was like fringe at best. Yeah. Maybe if he caught on, he could be a backup, but it's probably a practice squad or like the XFL or USFL. Yeah. That's the type of receivers we're talking about when Indiana had wide receiver talent. They yeah. didn't have NFL, NFL talent, but he had a huge year. Yeah. And yeah, then he got hurt. His,
1: his His first full year was at Washington, and he put his, we'll call it three years as a starter at Indiana. He surpassed his three years as a starter in one year at Washington.
2: Well, then, with Bo yeah. Nix, Bo Nix as a true freshman, I, I won't, I won't forget this game. Playing at Auburn, he's playing Oregon, and Oregon. This was with Mario Cristobal B-O-B-O. before he left yeah. for Miami, when Oregon was really, really good. He put his freaking balls on. The counter and he led or uh, he led Auburn back and beat Oregon with a huge throw. Yeah, like that was as a true freshman game one. Yeah, like he showed right away that he had a lot of talent and a lot of moxie. And then you talk about Auburn, Auburn, that coaching situation there. It's not good. The last few years, it hasn't been, it wasn't good. Yeah. And then you talk about some of the talent that Auburn get. Like, clearly they get talent, but they weren't getting the LSUs, the Georgias, the Floridas, the Alabamas, right on down. And yeah, it was clearly like, it had run its course, like, but he had shown a ton of talent since day one. Yep. Then you mentioned both of them transferring to a weaker Pac 12 conference where they don't play as much football or they don't defense. play as much defense yeah. as the SEC and the Big Ten. I would say the difference between Graham Mertz, the one game where I really saw it was Illinois, the very first game. And then Illinois turned out to be really bad that year.
1: Yeah, but still, uh, it's one of those, you're not playing a Mac school you're not playing I mean you're it's still a big 10 team that was pulling in three and four star recruits under Lovey Smith but yeah it's still one of those I think I would Illinois be shocked. Was outclassed that night by a different type of of player
2: I would be shocked if Graham Mertz tore it up at Florida I, I shock, would be sho- too shocked if, shocked, he, shocked if he tore it if up.
1: He tore it up. I, I I'd am, also be shocked I'll, if he regressed.
0: So a lot of Florida fans are saying where that, he's at. Like they're going to unleash Graham Mertz. Like it's time to unleash him. That Wisconsin, too much running. Paul Christ now using his ammo that he misused I mean, him. Now Graham Mertz will be able to sling it down the field.
1: We, we saw video. Of We've seen open, it for three years. we saw video from the open practice they had. Yeah. And now people are like, well, it's practice, blah, blah. He was still throwing the ball out of bounds. He gets, still got sacked multiple well, times. It like, was we, when That we,
2: offense is going to be eh. When we talk about the Illinois game, that was obviously Pete Graham Mertz. He made every single throw. It wasn't against necessarily the best talent or but the best teams. He made
1: every single throw. There was a major drop there by Garrett Kroshak.
2: Also, a lot of it's those guys were
1: 100.
2: A lot of those guys were pretty open, mm-hmm. but then you see throughout the years, post Illinois game, how many times did you see? Man, that was a great throw. He put it right where it needed to be. And then how many times did you say, "Man, that was an awful throw"? How could he miss something that bad? You, saw, you said
0: yeah. you. It was say so more, inconsistent. More not a lot, but more awful than good. It was it was close though. Right.
1: Well, and then you also had. And maybe the situation but was like in big
0: time moments, Mertz would be like, I can't believe you just did that. Maybe the situation was part of
1: on the coaching staff too, because what? You had Iowa and Penn State be like, Oh, it's so predictable. We were
0: they were calling out plays. Was it Michigan State last year where Graham Mertz threw in the double coverage of an intercept? Oh, yes. There wasn't yeah. even there wasn't even a wide receiver there. He just threw it to yeah. two he, Michigan State guys. It happened twice.
2: And you're like, What are you doing? Didn't yeah. it almost feel like at times that Graham Mertz thought too much? He didn't just go out and let yeah. it rip. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. No, I agree with you. If you you were
0: thinking, you wouldn't have thought that. It's like, well, what did they always say? Well, I'm gonna limit it's all about limiting the interceptions this year. I'm gonna limit the fumbles if we get under pressure.
2: Well, I mean, look at this look at this Florida Gator schedule. They open up tonight at Utah. At Utah is a tougher place to play, it's a good defense. Luckily for Florida, there's really I mean writing on the wall, there's no cam rising. Right. So, I mean that's a that's a big boost for Florida, but still he's gotta play against a tough defense and a tougher place to play across country. Yep. McNey State, okay. That's a <laughs> win. But Tennessee, though they've lost a lot of players. Yeah. Tennessee's still ranked twelve. That's still a huge rivalry. That's not gonna be an easy game. Charlotte, okay, there's there's win two. Uh, at Kentucky, that's a huge rivalry. Kentucky gets up to play Florida all the time, and conduct, uh, Kentucky under Stoops always has a solid defense. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, that's probably a win. At South Carolina is not going to be a pushover. They're getting better and better, and they still have their quarterback. They still have Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Rattler, G uh, wagon. Good, good luck taking uh, on Georgia. Uh, even Arkansas. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, Arkansas is going to be a team that probably in the couple weeks will be a ranked team. They still have Kyle Jefferson yep. coming back as quarterback. Like that'll still be a solid team. Good luck at number five LSU yep. and Missouri has been a, a team that the last couple of years they've been building and getting better. And they're a far cry from where they were two, three years ago where they were just complete trash. Who knew that and last then
1: game was called the sunshine
2: showdown. That's that's <laughs> on the, that's on the road in sunshine, Missouri I'm and then good luck with Florida state. Yeah. Like the, Tell me where these wins and all of these statistics are going to come from. Maybe throwing because you're down by 50 against Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, you have McNeese State. You have Charlotte. I'll give them Vanderbilt. Those are, I think, the only guaranteed wins. That's three. Yeah. And other ones, you're going
1: to have games. You're not necessarily saying the rest are losses. No, but, but
2: you, I think you have three, three guaranteed yeah. wins, and you have at least three or four guaranteed losses where you're going to get absolutely crushed. Yeah. And some of these games will be tough. You need to find three more wins. I don't know if they get to six. What's their
0: their over-under on wins?
2: I I think I'd take the under. I think it's like five and a half. I don't know if they get to six. And that's not all on Graham Mertz, but I don't think he's going to be great. I just don't think Florida's that great. I actually think Billy Napier is super overrated. Had a few good years at Louisiana. And now he's going to be great in the SEC? I don't think so. To bring
0: it full circle, I'm excited to see the Graham Mertz experiment get underway tonight for Florida.
2: With all of that Florida hate and Graham uh, Mertz hate being said, I would take his over 179 and a half passing yards. For
0: tonight. For tonight. <laughs>
2: for tonight. <laughs> Did you ever find Mordecai ones for no, uh, Saturday? No, it's, not
0: out.
1: it's not out. yet. Um, I will say, though, in his career at Wisconsin, while he was a starter, he averaged 166 yards a
2: game. Mm. Yeah, but they're going to let it rip at Florida.
1: No, I know. I'm just putting <laughs> that out there. Yeah, they don't have a bunch of running backs Flo- to feed Flo- the ball to Putting That one out there.
2: Yeah, there's a feeling
0: I get when I look at the greater Milwaukee area. and my thoughts, I have seen Packers writers fall to their knees because they're not as good as Rob Reichel. Robbie, good morning. Forbes.com calling me to you. Robby, hello.
4: There's a feeling you get when you look on the internet. Oh! How
0: about that? There's a feeling I get <laughs> when I look on the internet. And Robbie's writing at Forbes.com. You can, you can take it from there. That one that one popped into my head. I love it. How are you? Well, Rob, I'm parroting "Stairway to Heaven" in honor of you. I'm I couldn't be better about the Packers. This is, I think my weakest is peaked. Yeah, that,
4: yeah, we we can just let this run, and it's probably more enjoyable for your listeners than than hearing me ramble about Andres Carlson or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, hey,
0: hey. see so, you know, Anders, how'd you feel when you hit that 57 yarder, Robbie? Were you were you fist pumping? Were were you punching the air? Thinking Mason Crosby's not coming back.
4: Yeah, he and I were talking about that yesterday because I, I asked him, what do you think that was good from? And they they hadn't broken it down yet, but he thought it was good from about 65, which which is, which is uh, I mean, that, let's be honest, that is a weapon, right? I mean, he's he's got to find a way to be more accurate than he obviously was this summer. But, I mean, we were talking, like I, I said to him, I said, what if it's 22-20 in Atlanta in week two and you guys get to midfield with three seconds left on the clock. I said, "Do you think you'd try a hail mary? Or are they going to try you out there?" He said, "I think they'd try me out there." So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just it's just one of those deals, right, where you're probably going to have to take some some bad, and you know, along with the good when it comes to a to a rookie kicker. But he does he does probably have the most powerful leg of anybody we've ever seen, you know, the Packers sure. trot out there. And if, if they can get him straightened out, Evo, or even if he makes 80 or 82% of his kicks, I mean, you're you're going to talk about a guy who probably becomes a, a Packer legend down the road because somewhere along the way he's going to hit a 65-yarder or something like that, like Justin Tucker did, you know, where it hits the crossbar and bounces over or something like that to, to win a football game, and fans will remember that for a decade.
2: I think it's funny, Robbie, because I was watching that game, you know, Saturday afternoon and they trot him out there for that long field goal. And I think this is just the difference in expectations for, you know, from player to player. It's like whenever Mason Crosby trotted out there, you knew that it was going to be good. And when he missed or when he had about that year and a half where it was just a crapshoot watching him kick, you were so disappointed. And then when you hear about Anders Carlson, everything has been pretty negative about a lot of the misses. So when he trotted out there for the long one, I'm like, well, this will be missed. Who cares? So then when he made it, you were super excited because you're like, yes, he hit it. He did it, and there was plenty of leg there. So I feel like um, from that standpoint, it was like um, and Rob, more, more exciting than just Mason Crosby just drilling it every time.
0: And, Rob, how about this? For the first time in a while, Nellie is in studio. It's been a couple of weeks since you got to talk to him.
4: I think it was February.
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes he just sits there and doesn't say anything. But, yeah.
4: yeah Welcome yeah. Rowdy back,
0: Rob. He missed you.
4: Oh, uh, well, I, I miss Rowdy. Rowdy knows he's one of my guys, and I can't wait to see him before kickoff on Saturday. So. You're coming, Rob? Dude, I'm back to season tickets now. Yes. So, yes, I, yes. I, will, I, I will see you in the boys many times this uh this uh, national championship, 2023 Wisconsin Badger football season. Are you,
0: are you a hugger? I'll give you a hug. Oh, it's, you, Rowdy's I mean, not you, a
4: hugger. May be, we may. Oh, I, I can. I can see that. Yeah, Row, Row, Rowdy. Uh, I'll give you a big old Rowdy, man Rowdy, embrace. Rowdy, Rowdy, Row, Rowdy's also a guy who probably kicks puppies, and you know, uh, he walks quickly past the blind when they're asking for money. So. <laughs> Um, We know know how Rowdy rolls. You're
0: not far off base on that, Rob. (laughs) The the puppy thing, not so much. (laughs) The (laughs) the
2: blind people thing, I just don't tell them where the steps are. But the blind and charity thing? Not Rowdy's cup of tea.
4: (laughs) Rowdy hands him a job application and says, fill this out, you... You bozos, if you you know you, you really need some money here, go, go, go work down the street well, at, at McDonald's.
0: Hey, Rob, I didn't want to start this uh, with special teams, but I saw this headline and I laughed and I want to get uh, your opinion on it before we dive into the 53-man that's been cut down. I, I, I saw this, though. Speaking of, you know, we were talking about Anders Carlson. Then there's this, the punter. Here's the headline. Daniel Whelan was folding towels at a California hotel spa around this time last year. Now he's about to become the first native of Ireland in nearly 40 years to play an NFL game. <laughs> you have Anders Carlson who uh, has never done it, and a punter who uh, was apparently folding towels at a Cal- California hotel spa last year. What do we think about the special teams coming in as all three phases do matter?
4: Yeah, you get a lot of stories like that these days, right, Evo? I mean, you know, Grant Davos doing DoorDash and things like that. I mean, the you know, the COVID era changed a lot of things. I think you know, in terms of you know, these guys had to run around and make a little more money and, and things like that. Their futures were a little bit more uncertain. Um, I think the special teams are going to be on the rise again. Evo, first of all, you're going to get you know uh, you're going to get a full season of Keyshawn Nixon as a kick returner and a punt returner. You won't have to watch you know eight or nine weeks of Amari Rogers, and 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 we all know how that how that movie kind of finished. It, it bombed at the box office. Um,
2: and, I think it you know, went straight nothing, to DVD.
4: I think it. I think it did too. <laughs> undoubtedly, um, you know. So, you, so you got next a full year. Now, is he going to match last year's numbers? Right, which are historic inside that organization, and, and made him an All-Pro, even though he only played half a season. You know, in in that dual role. No, he he probably won't. That's a lot to ask him. And he was almost he was almost thirty a kick return, right? He was twelve a punt, and um, you know he you know even, even in those limited options, people I think he had seven of them that were 40 or longer and four that were 50 or longer. I mean, the guy, the guy was a re- remarkable, uh, what, what he put together in an eight, nine week window was absolutely remarkable. It, it'd be a lot to ask, but he it, it, it can probably come close to duplicating those numbers and the Packers would be giddy if he does uh, evil. Uh, n- number two, you, you've got a lot. It, 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 it's here to a Versace system. And you've got a lot of the same core guys back in their exact same roles from from last year, guys that made the roster for one and one reason, only Evo, was, was specialties, Eric Wilson, Dallin, Levitt, um, you know, Isaiah McDuffie's a decent inside, uh, a backup inside linebacker, but he's on that roster for specialties. They have a handful of guys like that. I, I would have the tight end they picked up yesterday from Minnesota becomes kind of what they call a core for a guy who's on all four special teams units evil. So that they will be better in, in in the blocking area and in and in the tackling area just in terms of limiting uh, opposing returns along the way. And, and again, much like we said with Anders Carlson, that there's gonna be some hiccups, I think. Uh, you know, they, they had they had they knew what they had in the in the past. Or certainly last year and the and, and, and the last several years a kicker and hunter just in terms of a consistency level. But both of these guys, Evo Carlson and now Wheel, have Dramatically stronger legs than what Green Bay has had in those positions in the past. Now you saw last week in that preseason game with Seattle, what Whelan did on the one on the twenty-one yard return that Seattle had. He do kicked kick this coverage, and and that's you know, and he kicked it right down the middle of the field. Um, and 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 he cannot do that when when they get to you know when they get to regular season games because uh, opposing special teams units are so good they'll take full advantage of that. And they'll probably bring the even longer returns and maybe some touchdowns along the way. So they'll, they'll have to get that figured out with wheeling, but, but man, if you're backed up against your own goal line and you need someone to bomb you out of trouble, he, you know, he's going to be the guy. You need someone to make a 65 yard field goal to win the game. You, you guys know I was a big Mason Crosby guy, mm. you know, but, but there's, there's no question. Crosby couldn't hit that length of a field goal at any point in his career. And now they have a guy who can in Carlton. So, no, I mean, you started with special teams. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it here in the dust, I hope, but they they should be better than what they were last year. They took a nice step last year in, 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 in season one with Rich Versace running the thing. And uh, I, I would anticipate Evo, you know, we, we all said when they were 32nd in the league for all those years in a row, or, or certainly in the bottom three, four, five get to the middle of the pack and 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 it's a win. I certainly think they have the ability to be in the middle of the pack and maybe even push the top ten this year.
0: Robbie, how about this? We're going to dive. Special teams, done. We're we're done with it. We're going to come back, take a little breaky-poo, come back, dive into this 53-man. Usually Led Zeppelin. Or my guy, Rob Reichel. But you can't find a better man. Then my guy, who's the green and yellow lead better, I guy Rob Reichel. Rob, you're going to Pearl Jam coming up here, Robbie. Five nights from
4: now, Evo. I'm trust me, I'm
0: counting on the not only the, the hours but the minutes. Yeah. Now, Rob, Rob, there's one thing that I need you to do for me. i I, I've, I like Pearl Jam, but I have the hardest time understanding what the hell Eddie Vedder's even singing about. I, like like 70 of the time, I'm like, what the hell did he just say? What? You someone someone needs to make an Eddie Vedder translator. For me, that way I can thoroughly enjoy Pearl Jam to its fullest. Do you understand what he's saying half the time? Singing about?
4: Well, that that is the beauty of the internet, Evo, because I've gone there many times to not only discover what the lyrics were, hey, but <laughs> the, the, meaning, the meaning behind the song. Because you know, my 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 top two bands, undoubtedly in the in the history of mankind, are Zeppelin and Pearl Jam. So I, I've done a lot of deep dives into Pearl Jam songs and what what my guy Eddie is singing about from. From time to time, because because you're not wrong, he he's a little bit tricky at times. Uh,
0: huh? Here. Yeah. Yeah, but dabaduba. What, Robbie? You for, you forgive him though that he's a that he's a Bears fan. Yes, you do forgive him for that.
4: Uh, if, if people can cheer for whoever they want, Evo. We all we
0: we all win as long as all eyes are on the NFL. Right. <laughs> all right, Robbie. All eyes on the NFL. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, uh, specifically for us, the 53 man roster is out. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Six wide receivers. Malik Heath, undrafted free agent. Let's start with wide receivers. What do you think of keeping six?
4: Yeah, I I just didn't feel a need this year myself, Evo, to, to keep seven. And and you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Even a guy like Samari Toure to me was on the bubble big time. He did not have an overly impressive summer. They gave him every chance out of the gate to win that slot job over you know Jaden Reed, and Reed ran away with that in a in a landslide. And. and Kind of left Toure in the dust, and they moved Toure back outside a little bit to get a longer look at him there. And I don't think he did anything overly compelling. He looked like a seventh-round draft pick, Evo. And I think in a lot of years, he doesn't make the roster. I, 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 obviously, it's remarkably young, right? When your top two guys are going to be second-year players uh, who each have about forty career catches, your slot guy is going to be a rookie. Um, You know, he's going to probably be the number four, Evo, again, a rookie. Wicks is on the roster, obviously a rookie, two rays there, a second year guy. So three second year guys, three rookies. They've completely overhauled the position in in the last two drafts. Evo, uh, the, the general manager there, first Pat, and now Brian, um, for for years, the two of those guys have used the term football is a young man's game. That's a position where they're going young, Evo. They've, they've, they've got pretty good speed. Uh, you know, they've, they've got some wheels, but there's going to be some growing pains along the way. I do think in a year or two, though, this has a chance to be, you know, a top eight, a top ten wide receiver group in football. It probably just won't be in
0: 2023. Mm. All right, so we're, we're going to see growth. This season's kind of about growth. All about the running backs, Robbie. You got obviously Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and then Emmanuel Wilson, Patrick Taylor to the practice squad. What's your uh, thoughts on that that RB position?
4: And no, Jonathan Taylor for now, right?
0: Evo? <laughs> yeah. Did you think JT was uh, actually in play, or is this is you know smokescreens? What well, do you think? I,
4: I, I think without question he's in play. I don't think, I don't think A he's going to be a Colt, and and B I don't think the Colts are going to give him long term money at, at, at that position. Um, you know, and, and Green Bay would have the wherewithal to bring him in at some point in time. I mean, I, you know, Dylan is an above average football player. I'd say he's a C plus Evo, But if you've got a chance to throw AJ Dylan in a deal. And, and maybe a draft pick for a Jonathan Taylor, which was obviously the hot rumor out there. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is an A, and A.J. And Dillon is a C-plus, and they're both in contract years. If you're going to figure out who to give money to, if you decide to pay the running back position, Evo, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, to me, is a guy you'd invest in. He's got a lot of Aaron Jones in him from the standpoint. He's as good off the field as he is on the field. And, um, you know, your guy Mike McCarthy for years loved the term Packer people, didn't he? And, you know, Aaron Jones has been the ultimate all-time Packer person. And Jonathan Taylor could certainly grab the torch and, and take it from there. I, I mean, I'll tell you what, Jones and Taylor together, oh, my Lord, right? I mean, what a what a dynamic backfield that would be. But obviously for today, it's Jones and Dylan. It's still really good. I would still say it's in the top quarter of offensive uh, backfield duos in football, Evo. Um, your Jones, even though he's in year seven, he's getting a little bit older. He, he still has the explosiveness that, that you want at that position. A.J. Dillon had a really good summer, Evo. He really did. I, I asked him about two or three weeks ago what his weight was, and he wouldn't answer me. Um, <laughs> thankfully, no one's asking me my weight these days, Evo. Um, you know, but I asked A.J. Dillon, which is allowed because he plays football, and, and, and I just, you know, sit at a keyboard. Um, and and, and he, was, he was reluctant, Evo, to, to, to tell me his weight, and we were just doing the a fun, jokey manner. But he said, I really don't want that out there right now. He's slimmer, Evo. You know, he played the last, uh, or his first three seasons in Green Bay at 247. He's, I'm, I'm going to just guess Evo from eyeballing. He's down 10 or 12 pounds. He's quicker through the hole. Hmm. Um, he's lowering his path. He's running with greater explosiveness. And he's in a contract year, Evo, which is usually a that's, win-win that's, that's for that's everybody,
0: huge. right? Yeah, it's, yeah.
4: it's a win for the player. It's a win for the organization. So I think A.J. Dillon's going to have a really big year. I think these two together give Green Bay a backfield that's probably about a B plus level. It's a really good backfield in general, and they're going to rely heavily on these two to make life, life easier for the first time starter at quarterback.
0: Uh, Rob, I want to switch to the defensive side of the ball because I know I want to ask you before you're out of here uh, coming up about an article you wrote about you know the Packers surprising people this year. Give me one example of a surprise. But before we do that, defensively, four cornerbacks, Rob, four on the roster.
4: Well, Stokes will be back at some point, right? I mean, and you know and at that point in time they will go to five. Um it, it it's lower than normal Evo, but but they you know, they if 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 the goal at the end of the day is to keep your fifty three best football players, um they I, I, I do think they did that. They had extreme depth on the offensive line, um and they'll end up keeping ten there. They kept an excessively Large number of outside linebackers. I don't ever remember him keeping six like they did this year, Evo, but there's, there's a couple of young guys there with a cut off side. Brent Cox is a guy they, you know, took a risk on after he got kicked off the team in Florida and Georgia. Um, and, and it seems to potentially be paying off for him at, at least right now until he does something silly. Um, but for today, it, it's looking like a, a pretty, a pretty good move, Evo. So. Yeah, And and they took maybe an extra safety, Evo, just to cover their butts back there because that's such an extreme position of weakness on the roster right now. You have to keep in mind, too, Evo, that, and you'll see this with Patrick Taylor probably for the opener, Evo, where I expect him to be activated. You know, Patrick Taylor, a running back, is is on the practice squad right now. You, You have 16 members of the practice squad, and, 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 so you know, in this post-COVID era, Evo, that you know that number has gone up dramatically. You know, for years it was seven, and then it went to ten, and you know, and, and then it was twelve, and now it's even sixteen. And and general managers that are smart and clever, they move they move players around like you almost would with, with with your fantasy football team. And and so they'll activate a Patrick Taylor, and maybe they'll you know maybe they'll kick one of those inside linebackers or something, an outside linebacker. I mentioned Brent Cox. Maybe an extra offensive lineman down to the practice squad for that particular for, for that particular week, and they and they maneuver the roster accordingly. And I expect them to do that at corner if they run into any kind of problems. Right now, Evo they're fine. Those four will play. You know, they'll they'll start obviously with Douglas and, and Jair on the outside. Dixon will be in the slot, and you know, and Valentine, I think he'll be a core special teams guy. He, he you know, he's he's the so well about a 4-4-4-40 and uh, you know he, he had an outstanding summer other than the, the second preseason game against New England he was really really good he obviously had to make the roster but they moved on from a couple other players Evo kind of knowing that within a month they certainly hope to get Eric Stokes back.
2: So, Robbie, speaking of the secondary in the, in the corners, obviously you mentioned how they just kept four and that's normally a, a pretty low number. And they did keep quite a bit of, of safeties. Do you think the reason why they did that? Obviously you mentioned Eric Stokes is kind of waiting in the wings on that pup list, but also the fact that Darnell Savage has shown that he has played better as a, you know, like a slot or a nickel type guy. So he has a little versatility and the fact that Anthony Johnson Jr., the rookie out of Utah, played corner and safety, so he's got a little bit of experience at multiple positions. So they're just overall some of those safeties are pretty versatile.
4: Yeah, they're versatile. I don't think they're very good, Nelly, which will be a which will be a problem. You'll you will you will see guys like Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes find where those guys are on the football field. I mean, if they're if they're playing the Jonathan Owens or you know, if they're playing a Rudy Ford, which they'll be playing one of those two guys, that, that that's going to be the target for you know opposing offensive coordinators. They do have some versatility. You're not you're not wrong there at all, Nelly. Um, you know, they're just not overly good football players. And, and, and if you're looking at the defense on a whole, guys, that that's the number one concern on it right now is is undoubtedly that that safety group here. You're, you're talking about Savage coming off the worst year of his career. He was benched late in the season for a couple of weeks. You know, graded among the, one of the worst. Uh, you know, covered safeties and tackling safeties in football by Pro Football Focus. I mean, Jonathan Owens' pass coverage grade last year, guys, was about as bad as it gets from Pro Football Focus, and they threw money at him, which still is a head scratcher to me. Um, and, and I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked that he made the roster over Carverius Moore. Well, I think he's a pretty good football player, guys. I, and I know he's hurt right now. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be particularly long but Green Bay wasn't going to be overly patient. They didn't see a huge separation, obviously, between Moore and Owens, and they, they decided to keep Owens. So, um, you know, again, Nelly, you're, you're, you're spot on. That group has some versatility. Just in general, it's not very talented. If Aaron Rodgers was still the quarterback guys, if this was, you know, 2014 or 2020, just a normal Aaron Rodgers year, they would have gone and chased some safeties in free agency. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying they're punting on this season. But, but we all know what, what they're doing this year. They're, they're getting their books in line. They're getting their salary cap right. Um, and they're playing with the guys that are there. And a lot of them are on the cheap half of the roster, guys. 26 of the 53 players are either rookies or second-year guys. So they're you know they're, they're going young. They're going cheap. They have $60 million of dead cap money. They're getting rogers off the books this year. They're going to let the young guys grow up. And they're going to hope to win a handful of games and then go chase
0: some people in free agency next winter. All right, Rob. Uh, uh, real quick, just going up against the break, I wanted to get uh, one of the surprises you have at Forbes.com, one of your amazing articles, five reasons the Green Bay Packers will surprise in 2023. Give me one, Robbie. Give me one.
4: All right, if I can only give you one, I'm going to give you the schedule, Evo. I mean, I, mean, I, I think Green Bay is probably a, a pretty average football team overall, but, but the over-under is 7.5, and, and they're picked for third in the division. Uh, we'll get into this more next week, I'm sure, leading into the yeah. Bears game. But, Evo, I think they're going to win the division at 10-7. Um, so, obviously, I would take the over. Um, that schedule is so wimpy. It is so light, <laughs> Evo. They don't see a playoff team from 2022, a one from last year, until week eight. and That's Minnesota. And Minnesota, we know, is not going to go 13-4 and four again. They took some hits in free agency. and They're not going to win every field goal game this year like they did last year. They only played two teams all year, Evo, that won a playoff game last year. And one of those is the Giants. And I don't think the Giants strike a whole lot of fear into anybody. It's a, it's an incredibly easy schedule, guys. They start uh, life, uh, again, at Chicago, at Atlanta, home New to Orleans. It gives love in that young offense, I think, a chance to grow up quickly, to get some confidence. So, again, I, I don't think there's anything particularly special about this Packer team. I think they're going to be pretty darn good a year or two, but I think they're going to win more football games. Anybody believes this year, Evo, largely because that schedule is so
0: soft. Robbie, you're the absolute man, a legend. Have fun at Pearl Jam, my man. We'll talk next week before Week One, baby. Robbie, we love you.
4: All right, Red Zone, twelve thirty. Here we oh, go. Yeah,
0: and yeah, Gab, we'll see you Saturday. Brewers' lead dwindling just a little bit after the past two games in the NL Central as they fell. Again to the Cubs, this time in the rubber match yesterday afternoon, as uh, the crew offense kind of let them down, lose three to two to the Scrubs, and the i am sorry—the Cubs are now three games back out of first place at the NL Central. A little disheartening yesterday, Nelly. Yeah, the big woo out there.
2: You looked at the pitching matchups, and game one felt like a toss-up. Brewers won it. Wins were blown out. It was a higher scoring game. And then week or er, week game two, it was a matchup of two really good pitchers. Justin Steele's been phenomenal for the Cubs this year, even slightly better than Corbin Burns. And obviously Brewer fans know that Corbin Burns is the ace of the Brewers staff. And then you had yesterday rubber match game three. It was Brandon Woodruff who. When healthy has been really good this year for the Brewers and really has been a pretty darn good pitcher for him since even when he started, you know, halfway through the season in 2017. But you look at Kyle Hendricks and I said this yesterday. Kyle Hendricks, he's had an up and down season. He's clearly on the wrong side of 30 and he's clearly on the back side of his career. Never threw hard to begin with, but you know, he's got that late Reagan era. 88 mile an hour (laughs) fastball, but he spots the ball. He does have good off speed stuff with the changeup. And for the one thing about Kyle Hendricks, he always seems to pitch well against the brewers. Mm. It's like, that's his thing. And it's annoying, especially coming from a brewers, you know, a brewer fan perspective. But overall, you look at, the last two games, you won game one, and then you had your best two pitchers going into the last two games. And I know we had, I think it was Cory and Marshall, some other, and some other people called in. They're like, I want to sweep. I'm getting greedy. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, sweep. Let's go. Um, we have our best two guys on the mound. Well, and, why not? We won nine you know, in a row. We won the first game. But. I am right there with them, like totally hundred percent, but I get, if you're going to lose a series, losing two to one is not the end of the world. They picked up one game on you. You now only have three games left with the Cubs and it's the last week of the se- or the last series yeah. of the season. But huge. looking at those games individually, it really actually sucked for the brewers with those heavy winds blowing in because just from a, in a, a general point of view, like a, you know, a, mile high point of view here on this. If you have the better pitchers in a super windy game where the wind's blowing in and there's not going to be a ton of offense that automatically helps the team with less pitching. Cause it's hard to score. Yeah. So, th- so that's going to raise up the Cubs ability or the fact that the game could potentially be closer than you think. So that's like, that's the, you know, mile high point of view. Like f- we're looking on the way out. If you zoom in on each game, you know why the Brewers lost? They couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. Yep. I mean, they had opportunities in both games with guys on where they couldn't come up with hits. And now, granted, you could say that's water finding its level. That's baseball. They just won nine games in a row against good teams. They swept three straight series against teams leading their division. And you can then look and say, you know what? Water found its level and all those hits that they had. Well, they couldn't find them against the Cubs. I get it. You move on. You still have a three-game lead looking looking good to win the division and obviously to make the playoffs. But if you look at the schedule moving forward, obviously the Phillies are the standalone number one team in the wild card race right now. You know, the Phillies, pretty darn good team. They just unfortunately are looking up to an even better team, the best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. But you have the Phillies for three. And then after that, It's Pittsburgh. We know Pittsburgh's not very good. They were hot what, the first couple months of the season. They came back to reality real quick and by late May. You have the New York Yankees who look like a team that are just limping across the finish line that want the season to be over. That offense is horrible. The pitching staff hasn't been good other than Garrett Cole. Then you go to Miami, or then you play Miami for four games. Miami is a team that, Man, this, since the All-Star break, they've really been falling apart. They didn't necessarily have the best pitching staff just in general, and they weren't scoring runs. It, it might have been a little bit of smoke and mirrors for the for the fish. But, yeah, they haven't been playing good baseball. The Nationals are a below 500 team with a lot of young, hungry talent, but overall it's not a good baseball team. And then you have the Cardinals, who we know have been really down. The Fish again, the Cardinals again, and then you end with the the Cubs. It's pretty light September outside of the Philadelphia Phillies three games to start the season, and then that potential – NL Central deciding showdown the last 3 games. Lot of soft winnable games in there for the Milwaukee Brewers moving forward.
0: Let's go baby. Yep, Phillies uh, after tonight today, Phillies tomorrow. Um so there's a little little synopsis. Hardly anyone's Brewers.
2: playing today. Yeah. Four games in Major League Baseball. That's it.
0: That's a little small slate. What do you got here? Uh, <clears throat> Yankees, Tigers, Marlins, Nationals, Giants, Padres and
2: Braves, Dodgers. So there you go. All right, um There's d- there's more college football games on today, then there are Major League Baseball (laughs) games. Football is back,
0: baby. Hell yeah.